So whenever I think of, of the word joy or expression of joy, these images of little kids and adults receiving gifts, or in this case, dogs. Um, and they all have a completely different reaction when they open their box. The funniest one, I think, is the, the grandma sitting there. She says, no, no. However, the constant thing in everyone's reaction is the exceeding joy that overcomes him or her. In two days on Christmas morning, every child and adult will get gifts. Adults will get socks. Kids will get Barbie dolls, Game Boys, and stuff. But everything will be the same. They will be joyful because someone gave them something. We'll have wrapping paper flying around, boxes being thrown around, and for adults, socks spread on the floor. And each Christmas... You hear the phrase, and just like that, it's over. The joy of opening presents turns into the joy of of playing with your new toys, for adults trying on your new socks. But church, there is something better than a gift of socks, better than the, the next awesome Apple product, better than a dog in a box, which I don't I don't think you should do that, but that's besides the point. It's not wrapped in some, some fancy paper or presented in an expensive box. However, this gift will bring you joy 24-7, 365. There won't be a time in your life where this joy you feel from this amazing gift that won't go away. The joy that this gift brings you is a different than any other joy you will feel. For the past three weeks, we have been looking at the joyous story of Christ's birth and the joy others felt because of His birth. This morning, we conclude our joy series of Advent by looking at the encounter of the wise men and Jesus. However, before we start really diving in and unpacking, I first want to look at joy a little bit more deeply because I I think our understanding of joy is is combated with our understanding of worldly joy. And for this, I want to turn to John Piper's definition of joy. And John Piper is a a well-known pastor, speaker. And to me, this is my favorite definition of joy. It says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as He causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. Like I said, this... This is one of my favorite definitions. And if we we pull it apart, we can see that, notice that Piper calls this Christian joy. And for us, that's the first important part of the definition. It's Christian joy. It's different from what what the world wants us to say, right? The American dream is get a white picket fence, get a house. That's you have joy, right? Have a two-car garage with fancy cars in it. That brings you joy. No, he says it is Christian joy. It's different. They're polar opposites. It's important for us to understand this, that the joy we've been looking at in Scripture for the past couple weeks, and if you read Scripture and you do a study, word study on joy, you will see that this definition applies to all of them. Joy that is different than what the world says. It also tells us that it's joy deep in our souls. It's like all the emotions in the video. It's raw emotions. The people who receive gifts, are, or, so when you guys receive gifts, you don't open your box and say, 
I will now think about how joyful I am. You see, as they open the boxes, their reactions. They receive these, these dogs and these gifts, and some of them cry. They say, no, no, no. They proceed to get excited. When the moment they received their gift, they were overwhelmed with excitement, overwhelmed with joy. It's a good feeling deep down in the soul. And important for us is that, notice John Piper says that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of joy. And remember, if we, re- really, if we read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22-23, to but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, yeah, read your Bibles, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. The fruits of the what? Spirit. Right? Produced by the Spirit. The Spirit bubbles in our souls. It pushes joy up. And finally, we see this. And this is the best part of the definition. We see the beauty in Christ in the Word, Bible, and in the world. He says the Holy Spirit causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word. As we read Scriptures, we read all of Scriptures, we see that Christ is painted in every picture. And we see that that beauty is is the best work of art. And he says in the world, the Spirit gives us eyes to see the beauties of Jesus in the Word and in the world. The clearest picture we see of Jesus, like I said, is in Scripture. But we also see Him in gifts and in people, and gifts of nature and food. So again, this is how I'm going to define joy. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as He causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. And it's a longing for this joy. One of my favorite books in The Hobbit, 18 times, Bilbo Baggins says, I long to go home to see the Shire. 18 times. Our joy this Christmas season, we need to long to experience this Christian joy. And this is the joy that should fill us up during Christmas, but it should also never just stop there. It's an ongoing joy. We don't need a Christmas season to remind us how joyful we are. In every season of our lives, this joy needs to be saturating our souls. We should long to find this joy. A picture of this joy is vividly painted in the story of the wise men visiting Jesus. We see three clear patterns presented. And I want to be clear, there are three actions to joy. If we take what Pastor Brian looked at and we see how they respond to the joy, it's always an action of going and finding that joy. We see some sort of action required. These are not static, remain in your church pew, open your Bibles when told, stand up when told, attend Bible study actions. These are raw, a good feeling in the soul actions produced by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, one of the ways to look at it, it is a wind in the sail. It pushes you out to experience this joy to read Scripture and see the joy of Christ, to see the beauty of Christ. So this morning, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at rejoice because you are excited. Rejoice by worshiping. And then finally, rejoice by telling the story. In student ministry, excited, excitement is one of our key terms because I believe in 
our connect group leaders believe that if you're not excited about something, you're not going to want to know more about it or want to get deeper into it. So I really like the word excitement when it comes with church. You can be excited to come to church. You can be excited to clap and worship. You can be excited to open your Bibles and read your Bibles. You can get excited for it. So our text this morning is Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. And Matthew writes, he says, and it's talking about the wise men, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. A couple things before we dive in. Number one, the wise men came after the birth of Jesus. So I like how we like to put them in our our mangers right away. They come after. Jesus is now a child. Child versus baby. You guys can deduct what that means. But Jesus is he's a little older now. And the wise men were just that. They were wise men. They weren't three kings. Okay? So they were wise men. They weren't kings. Baby Jesus is not baby Jesus now. He's infant Jesus or child Jesus. So, but then first thing is we see that rejoice because you're excited. And since I just got married, it's time to use marriage analogies in my sermons. I want you to think of a time where you were very excited to see something. For me, the closest thing I can think of was my wedding day. Caitlin and I did a first look. So if you don't understand what that is, it's just that. The bride comes, I turn around and go, that's what that is. So the photographer brought me outside into the vines. We were getting married at a winery. and It was a very hot October day. So I'm wearing... A shirt, a vest, a coat, a tie, pants, shoes, socks. So it's hot. So I'm probably out there for for 10 minutes, but it probably felt like 40 hours. And I knew she was coming. There was also bugs everywhere. So I'm sitting there swatting bugs. But I, I knew that Caitlin was coming. Then all of a sudden, I was tapped on the shoulder. And I immediately was overcome with all kind of emotions. See, I knew she was coming. In my mind, I knew that Caitlin would come down and she would tap me. But I still got extremely excited. And because I got excited to see her in the dress, and I knew what was coming next. It was time to go walk down the aisle and get married. I was overcome with joy. I was joyful and excited for what was to come next. Like I said, we all have stories like this. We get accepted in the college. What comes next? The excitement of college. New job. New house. Right? Stories of where we are so overcome by joy because we know what's coming. We are excited for what is next. Think about it. I was so excited that after the first look, I knew it's marriage time. It is marriage time. The wise men. Look at this. The wise men knew what was coming next. In Matthew 2, 10, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The wise men knew what this star meant. In Matthew 2, verses 1-2, through 2, it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born of the kings? Listen, for we saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. The wise men were just that. They were wise. 
They came from the east. They traveled about two years probably. They were a group of astrologers, dream interpreters. They studied the sacred writings. They pursued wisdom and magic. They even were familiar with Old Testament prophecy. They knew what this star meant. They knew what was to come because of this star. They say a king is born, king of the Jews. A king has arrived into this world. Now maybe they didn't understand what type of king Jesus was, but nonetheless, they understood the importance of what was to come next. They understood the importance of what this star meant. Their response to the star shining bright in the sky was not to sit around on their hands, but pure excitement. Rejoice because you were exciting, excited. Joyous longing to go see the king, the king of the Jews. So notice the star leads them to Jerusalem. They get there, and they're asking around, hey, where's this Jesus fellow? And then all of a sudden, they see the star again pop up, and they are so excited. For two years, they were excited to come to Jerusalem. And when they finally got there, they saw the star hovering over the place where Jesus was. They've been looking for this the whole time. They were anticipating excitement. And their only response was to be excited because of what they saw. Church, the wise men rejoiced exceedingly when they saw the star, when they saw the light of the star shining brightly, indicating the king of the Jews have arrived. We don't have the star shining bright in our sky for us. However, we have a better light. The light shining better, brighter than any star. We have the light of the world shining bright for us. Signaling Jesus is here. We have Jesus, the light of the world, and doesn't that make you excited? That the light of the star led shepherds, wise men to Jesus, and the light of the world, Jesus, can lead us to Him. And we are. this is clear in Scripture. If we look at John, just a little bit of John, in, in chapter 1, verse 5, it says, the light shines in darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Amen. And it says, He has came as a witness. This is John the Baptist. came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And and Jesus Himself, again, Jesus spoke to Him saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will not walk in darkness, but will have the life, light of life. The light of the world has come. And it is shining bright for everyone to see. This light cannot escape your eyesight. It is brighter than any LED light you drive on the road when they put the high beams on. This light promises something. Whoever follows me will not walk in what? Darkness. Will have light of life. This light promises eternal life for everyone who believes in Him. And if that doesn't get you excited, then I don't know what will. It brings you out of a place of darkness, of no joy, and it shines bright. We see it with the eyes. John Piper says the beauty. We see this beauty. The Spirit fills us, and joy is bubbling out of our souls. But it gets better. It could get better. You know what makes me really excited? Is that this light of the world coming into the world was the plan all along. That the story of Christmas didn't start in the manger. 
God was dropping hints throughout the Old Testament about the light of the world coming. And to me, this is the most exciting part. It's like God like can't contain himself. He's just so excited to let everyone know. This is what makes me so joyful. Like I knew that Caitlin was coming for our first book meant marriage. We know because of what God said in Old Testament that our Savior was coming. Brian alluded to this last week, I think. Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is right after the fall. God doesn't take 40 chapters and say, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. He knew right away what was going to happen. In Genesis, God promised Abraham that his offspring would be blessed. The prophets talked about a Savior coming into the world. Isaiah said Jesus would be born of a young woman. Micah said the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. Hosea said that God would someday call his son out of Egypt. Kings foreshadowed one day a better king would come. Daniel talked about Jesus. David was a picture of Jesus. God sparing Isaac was a foreshadowing of God sparing us through Jesus. The tabernacle showed us that a better light of the world was coming. The Old Testament screams the name of Jesus. And church, that's what makes me so excited that the story of Christmas, the star, the manger, the wise men, everything, was all part of God's plan a long time ago. Every piece of Scripture whispers His name and shows us the light of the world, the joy of the world was coming. And if our response isn't excitement, then I don't know what is. We anticipated joy. We are excited for this to come. It has come. Jesus has come and His light is shining in every dark place. So just like the wise men have a response to being excited, we have a response. And our response is this. Our only response for seeing the light of the world and being excited is to get on our knees and worship Him. Our excitement leads us to a posture of worship. Notice in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, the wise men, where is He? We want to what? Worship Him. And going into the house, they enter the house. They're full of excitement. They saw the child and Mary, his mother. And what did they do? They fell down and worshipped him. The wise men only wanted to do one thing when they saw the light of the world. They wanted to worship him. And when they finally came face to face with Jesus, Their only response was the response that we need to do is get on their knees and worship Him. They fall on their knees out of excitement, out of joy, and rejoice. A king has come. This is our response. We have come to seeing the light of the world. And if you haven't seen the light of the world, trust me, when you do, you're going to want to get on your knees and praise Jesus. We are excited for what this means. Therefore, our response is to worship out of excitement. And this is evident through all of Scripture. Brian read from Philippians, and in verse 2 it says, so that the name of Jesus, every name shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. If you go through Matthew, in Matthew alone, worship is mentioned ten times. We have three worship mentioned in our text. Herod wanted to worship Jesus, but he just wanted to worship Jesus. 
But if you look at Matthew and you go through it, you see this pattern. In 8.2, Behold, a leper came to him, knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. In Matthew 9.18, while he was saying these things to him, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come lay your hand on her and she will live. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. In Matthew 15.25, Jesus, this is the story of the Canaanite woman. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. In 2020, the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him and her sons, and kneeling before him, asked him for something. 28.9, Behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet. But what do you think they did? Worshipped him. Matthew 28.17, And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Notice the pattern we see. People come face to face with the light of the world. With our Savior. And the response in seeing him is to what? Worship him. Throughout the entire Bible, you see this pattern. Right? If you guys have some time off work, go through the Old Testament. Look at all the patterns where God shows up. What is the response of people when God shows up? They worship Him. Every encounter of God in the Old Testament, you see this pattern of face-to-face, get on your knees. Face-to-face, worship Him. And this should be our response for seeing the light of the world. Our excitement should lead us to a posture of worship. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, says this about He says, in worship we enter, touch, and are touched by the presence of God Himself. Listen, he says, we have been what? Created to live like that. We have been created to live like that. So church, are you living in a posture of worship? Are you living where your excitement in Christ, the excitement of seeing the light of the world, you are overcome by this light. And the only thing you want to do is get on your knees and worship Him. So are you getting on your knees this Christmas season? Are you worshiping Christ, the ultimate gift? Or are you going to get on your knees and worship the gift you get on Christmas that brings you joy for five minutes? And notice it has to be a constant in our lives. We should have a pattern of worship throughout our entire lives. Don't ever lose your excitement in Christ. So this morning, we, we, we've seen that we need to rejoice because we are excited. We've come face to face with the, the light of the world. We need to rejoice exceedingly like the wise men. And when the wise men entered the house, they saw Christ. What did they do? They got on their knees and they worshipped Him. However, there's still one part of the story. Rejoice by telling the story. In two days, you will open gifts, right? And you'll experience joy. Some of you might get a puppy. Sorry, Kaylin, you're not getting a puppy. Some of you might get toys and socks, adult socks. I love socks. And once you've received them, what is the next thing you'll do? You'll tell people what you got. Right? Like Bingo got a job, so Brian told us Bingo got a job. He was excited Bingo can start paying for his vet, vet bills. We post something on Facebook or Instagram. I just go count on Christmas Day, the amount of pictures you will see that says, look what Santa brought me. I'm telling you, they would be all over Instagram and Facebook. And there's nothing wrong with that. When you're excited, it's our natural response to go tell people and include them into your excitement and joy. We do it all the time with stuff. But do we do it with Christ? 
Who can honestly say in this room that you, res- you respond to the joy of the light of the world, you worship Him, but you also tell people because you want people to come and worship with you, worship God with you? Or do we wait for a mission trip, a mission weekend, prayer walking? Do we wait for someone to say, okay, now it's time to go share the joy and the excitement? Or are you doing that 24-7, 365? If you're excited about a gift you get on Christmas, why not be excited about the gift for the entire world? So Matthew's Gospel starts off by saying is that the Savior Jesus is for all nations. Notice, Jesus comes for the Jews. Alright? But the wise men aren't Jewish. They're from the Far East, probably Persia or something. And so they come. These guys who are non-Jewish come to Jesus. So to me, that foreshadowed Jesus has come for everybody. Every single buddy. And the cool thing is, if you look at Matthew's Gospel, it opens Gospel by highlighting and saying, look, see, Jesus has come. Let us go see Jesus. These people in Matthew's Gospel come and see Jesus. But you know how Jesus, Matthew's Gospel ends? By Jesus telling us, Go. Go and tell everyone what you've seen. Go. The wise men come to see Jesus. People come to see Jesus. We have seen Jesus. And at the end of the Gospel, Jesus gives us a command. Go and make disciples of all nations. Go. And that's the challenge for us today. Our joy should bring excitement into our souls. It should bubble up to the point of where we want to get on our knees and worship the light of the world, the Savior. And in doing so, we want to tell people about this exciting joy. Go tell it on the mountains. We sing that Christmas song every year. In your schools, in your workplace, in your grocery store, to your hairdresser, to your neighbors. Be the light of Christ because He has shown Himself to you. Be excited as a little kid on Christmas opening the last present and seeing that it's a dog. Joy has come. The best gift of all. Be excited. Worship the King. And go tell Him. Or go tell people about Him. Next week we're going to learn a lot more about this. Just go be the lighthouse of Christ.